0: Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. So I'm coming to you on Tuesday, the 25th of October. Um, I just got back from IFBB Poland yesterday. Had um, a bikini girl in that Jade, and um, she got top five in her class, which was which was amazing. This is me and Jade's uh, first season together, and we decided to to jump in Uh, a couple of pro qualies this season. Just uh, she wanted to see you know, sort of where she stood and where she fit um, against, you know, that sort of standard IFBB. And it's it's very apparent that's where she belongs, right in the mix. We just need a little bit more tissue in the right places and um, a little bit more growing to do in the next few years, uh, a couple of years, in, and she'll be right there. And um, to to be there at these shows, you know, you, you probably heard me say that about Lille a few weeks ago, uh, to be there at these shows has really been invaluable. Um, and from a coaching experience, from a, from learning and getting better. And that's just simply knowing now what the IFBB want internationally is uh, the judging is very, very consistent. I think that in the UK, from federation to federation, it can be a little bit inconsistent and at times it's it's hard to know kind of how or why they're judging it and and the placings the reasons behind them, whereas in internationally it, it's it, it's it's very clear from class to class exactly what they're looking for. Um, which you know if I hadn't went to those two pro qualies, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got the the clarity that I've now got. So yeah, I think it just reiterates again in my mind to to go to your client shows. I don't care if it's a, if it's a local show. If it's one that's two, three, four, five-hour drive away, if it's one internationally, like, you can get there, go. And look, I understand we can't make them all I'm, uh I'm a father of a, we've got a one-year-old boy and we've got another one on the way, June, January. So I understand it's hard at times to get to shows and leave family and whatnot. But wherever you can, you know, your athletes invest so much time in you that you kind of owe it to them and to invest that time back. And going to shows is just part of the job. And if you, um, if you aren't willing to go to shows, you know, don't do it you know, do something else because your athletes deserve you to go to those shows um, and, and, and I get buzzed, you know, seeing them in person, on stage, doing their thing, getting a result is uh, it's an incredible uh, moment to be part of and because um, that's something that, you know, you'll have forever but those athletes will remember for the rest of their life, um, their first show, their second show, whatever it is, um, but hey, I'm, I'm rambling on as I always do. Today's episode has been one that I've been asked to do for a long time and um I've held off mainly because I've I've not been writing as many articles for the website as I used to. I used to do it every single week, really, uh, in, the, in the past. God, three years, but with uh, those sort of uh, that busy run a period of shows, um, I I ba- backed off the gas a little bit, and uh, mainly because there's over there's over hundred articles on the website, and uh, often I like to have a podcast go alongside uh, an article, but I wanted to get it down on paper put on the website and then do the podcast so you guys have both pieces of information. So today's podcast is all about pharmaceutical diuretics. Now these are not to be confused with natural diuretics. These are pharmaceutical ones. Uh, If you're a natural bodybuilder, I don't know if you want to click off now, Uh, maybe you want to listen to it and learn of course, but you know, if you're natural, you cannot use these. But if you have been involved in bodybuilding for some years, then you'll know no, no doubt know what it means when we speak about getting dry. And if you don't, uh, it's part of the criteria required for a lot of the larger bodybuilding classes. And it's often why some athletes will use these pharmaceutical diuretics. So when we mean dry, we're, we're referring to um, the, the skin being quite uh, quite tight to the muscle, the muscles are popping, there's no sign of visible fluids. That's some sometimes what uh, you know the, the larger bodybuilding classes are, are aiming for. Um, and I think that although the usage of pharmaceutical diuretics has increased in recent years, maybe people have been a bit more open about it. I think a lot of people will do it without really knowing kind of how they work, uh, perhaps the the, the dangers behind using them. And uh, if, if someone were to use these and they didn't have full understanding of how they work, it can absolutely make the look way worse, like way worse than it ever was before you used them. So this podcast is really it's not to give you any advice, it's more to, to explain the, the mechanisms behind some of how the most common pharmaceutical diuretics within bodybuilding work. Um, and what I would say is this podcast is just for informational purposes only, and it should not be deemed as advice in any way. If you are ever thinking about using these sort of products, please seek the advice of a medical professional and probably alongside that an experienced coach because let's face it, the medical professional is going to tell you absolutely do not take these um, and of course they, they should um, but make sure that you speak to a coach that knows what they're doing and they're not a coach that just says they know what they're doing but one that actually understands the, the, the physiology behind them. So before we get into it, I think some of you are probably wondering, well, what is a diuretic? So diuretic is a substance, it could be a, a drug in this sense, it could be you know some sort of herbs or, or whatever it is some vitamins um, that promote diuresis i can uh, diuresis is a condition which the the kidneys filter out fluid and salt from the body subsequently increasing urine production and fluid output from the body itself in the medical world uh, diuretics are often used uh, for those who have like sort of kidney and heart failure uh, because those medical conditions people often struggle Uh, with fluid retention and struggle with getting rid of it simply because of that medical condition. But in the bodybuilding world, you know, we use these because it helps with that cosmetic effect that I spoke of, you know, the the tightness of the skin to the muscle, the sharper look where muscle separation is is more prominent and ultimately to present a a better look on stage and to increase placings. So diuretics will have uh, a direct impact particularly pharmaceutical diuretics, a direct impact on our body's electrolyte balance. Okay, another fancy word. What's an electrolyte Vaughn? So electrolyte in is a term used for particles such as, you know, sodium and potassium um, that carry either a positive or negative charge. And in nutrition, these terms refer to essential minerals in your blood, sweat and your urine and those minerals are involved in like so many processes within the body including muscle function, maintaining fluid balance, acid-base balance, hydration, etc. Et and other examples you know we've said sodium, potassium, you could say chloride, calcium, magnesium, phosphate and, and bicarbonate, but the one that we're really sort of focusing on uh, of the job that all electrolytes do is is the fluid balance and largely dictated by this sort of delicate balance between sodium and potassium you know some of you have heard of the sodium potassium pump i've done a a podcast on bodybuilding and sodium and kind of what it does i'd encourage you to to go back and listen to that or to read any articles on the website but in the simplest possible way like our bodies use sodium potassium molecules to just regulate how much fluid is going to enter them and how much exits them to achieve what we would call homeostasis, which is a fancy word for balance. So when our electrolytes are in balance and they're appropriate balance, should we say, so the right ratio of sodium and potassium in the body, the right, the right amount of grams of sodium and potassium, blah, 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 and our fluid balance, you know, our, our water level is regulated at the right levels inside and outside of a cell. Remember that, right? Uh, there's a phrase that I, I, I use, it says where sodium goes water flows, so, so really fluid balance, as much as the delicate balance between sodium and potassium, how much fluid we are holding in a cell is often dictated by the amount of sodium that is in our body. So diuretics themselves, they're going to have a direct impact on these levels of sodium and potassium, effectively. The majority of diuretics that we're going to look at, they largely work through blocking sodium re- reabsorption in specific part of the kidneys so let's have a let's rewind it back here let's say we take some water on board we're taking some sodium on board that is digested and absorbed into our bloodstream passes through the body once it's been to our sort of muscles through our vital organs blah blah gets to the kidneys now the kidneys are what filter your blood right so they could filter out sodium and sodium's like and again kind of getting passed through through the kidneys themselves and before it can get passed out in the urine it can get reabsorbed in different um parts of the kidney. So I want you to think of it and, and I'm gonna really butcher the physiology, but I think that this'll if you if you don't know it, how if you don't have much physiology, this should put it into layman's terms for you. Imagine the kidneys as like a massive motorway or motorways, right? And it has different exits that you can take right and those exits can be taken by sodium say they can take exit one or they can go downstream and they could take exit three sounds really really simple but that's the easiest way to think about it because some of these diuretics will will block some of those exits so sodium can't be reabsorbed at exit one but it can be exit three or it can't be exit three and it can be exit one Um there are some other diuretics out there that work through other mechanisms, uh, which we'll go into. But the like the ones, the most common ones, they're, they're largely focusing on that and that alone. Um, and I guess the first one that everybody has most commonly heard of, and probably my one of choice, should should I say, would be uh, Dazide. Now I'd say this is probably one of the most common ones used within bodybuilding. I think that because out of the bunch, there's maybe. I don't want to say less risk, because there's always risk with taking these. Um, but I would say it's got lesser risk compared to some of the other ones. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, but how it works, is it works by blocking um, a specific sodium and chloride uh, co transporter it's called. So it's blocking sodium and chlorine reabsorption in a specific part of the kidney. And if you wanted to know that, it's called the, the renal-distal convoluted tubule. Huge mouthful. Just think of that as like, okay, that's exit, exit three or exit four, you know, whatever it is. Why does that matter, right? Or what, you know, we've on sodium and chlorine, why, why, why does that matter? Remember the phrase where sodium goes, water flows. So sodium's trying to exit, at, say, exit four, and there's a big blockade up that's like, nah, mate, you're not coming in here. And then Because it can't exit exit 4 it's just like, right, it has to go downstream, and more of it is then, boom, passed out in the urine itself. Because sodium's going out the body, remember, water, fluid will go with it, it will follow it, so then water's passed out as well. So, rather than that sodium be reabsorbed and fluid be reabsorbed, now if that's the case, sodium and fluid are reabsorbed, then of course the physique itself will hold a little bit more water and could look not quite as dry. So that's been passed out. The physique itself is not holding as much water, and we're looking at a little bit drier. Now, this sort of transporter specific one in the kidneys, um, the the sort of sodium chloride co-transporter, it accounts for about 10% of sodium reabsorption, which is a little bit. It's not loads, um, but there's other ones that will have a greater effect on different exits that we'll go into. You'll maybe often hear... Dazide be referred to as potassium sparing and that's simply because when we um, think about what it does it's it's not passing sodium out of the body in fact it's doing the opposite it's effectively increasing potassium levels within the cells of our body um, so that's what it, it technically means by potassium sparing that it's leading to that net increase in potassium levels now moving on to another one that's commonly used that kind of acts similarly to Dazide is aldactone and the reason it's similar is that it in itself as well is potassium sparing but how it works is a little bit different to Dazide. so it doesn't necessarily you know go for a specific co-transporter it's those ones that, that act through different mechanisms and this is what's called. And now, this is a mouthful. I don't want you to bear with me. It's called an aldosterone antagonist. Huge, big, fancy word, right? Aldosterone is simply a mineral corticoid, or just a, think of it as a hormone produced in the adrenal glands in the body. And this ultimately influences electrolyte and fluid balance within the body itself. But in the kidneys, what it does, when it's when it's produced, it increases sodium channels, allowing more sodium to be reabsorbed in the body and this sort of increased sodium retention, you could call it, usually will result in uh, an increase in blood pressure an increase in fluid retention, all the stuff that maybe perhaps we we don't want. The word, so that's aldosterone, the word antagonist effectively means blocking, right? So effectively what aldactone is doing, it's blocking the receptor, uh, which aldosterone usually binds to. So aldosterone can, is maybe doing its thing, you know, that's coming coming at the kidney, that's that's going to these exits, so that's going to these places where it goes, right, we're going to build an exit here, right? It's like, but <clears throat> it's at a specific point on the motorway. And aldactone just pretty much goes to that exact point and just goes, nah mate, see you later. I'm taking this space up. Where you were going to build that, that exit, I'm taking this space up. Fucking jog on so then <laughs> that can't do, and I know that sounds, again, really, really silly, but hopefully that's the way you're looking at it. Um, so usually where aldosterone's coming in, it can't do, so meaning that this sodium channel um, can't be effectively made, so sodium's not reabsorbed, and again, it'll be excreted excreted in the urine. Think about that phrase where sodium goes, water flows, so again, boom, sodium's coming out of the body, as is fluid, there's an increase in urination. Um, I would say that one of the similarities between the two is that it's going to act on uh, the, the part of the kidneys very similarly to um diazide you know that distal convoluted tubule but it'll also act upon the the collecting ducts as well so that's going to usually impact you know say two exits rather than just just the one that diazide was doing now the the last one i'll probably discuss because it is kind of commonly used, uh, or it has been in the past, um, but which I feel have no place in assisted bodybuilding is loop diuretics and these are ones such as Lasix um, and in my opinion, as I says, they should not be used and I'll go into why. And they act upon uh, a specific, it's actually sodium, potassium and chloride transporter or a co-transporter in a place in the kidneys called the, the thick ascending limb of Lu- the lupa henle. Huge mouthful, right? Just say that this is a this is a big exit on the motorway, right? And what that's doing is it's blocking the reabsorption of all these. And of course naturally there'll be fluid loss from the body. But this part of the kidney that it blocks it from is there's a greater amount of sodium reabsorption counts for usually 25% compared to other sites. You know, we had, we thought about diazide in that place that was 10%, this is now 25. So its effects can of course be a bit more prominent, which could lure people into thinking, oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wanna use these. Um, however, the subsequent effect of that Co-transporter being blocked means that there's actually an increased loss of calcium in the urine. And uh, calcium, if you didn't know, plays a key role in the contraction in the metabolism of the heart. Therefore, persistent low levels of calcium could lead to heart failure. And if you have been around in the fitness industry um, over the past couple of years, you'll know that there's been uh, quite a few deaths from the misuse of not just loop diuretics, but the combination of of them. And it's so sad to see, it's, it's so, so sad to see um, that people have died from from that and, um, you know, it's not my place to, to point out the who they've been coaching with or anything like that, no one here in the UK, but um, again, as I said, it's it's so, so sad and if, if a coach is prescribing these and they don't know the why behind them, what you got to do as you're using them, uh, they just, yeah, they're a fucking shit coach and they shouldn't be in the industry. Um, but we'll get into the dangers in that soon. Uh, the the one thing I, I'm not going to go into any other ones because I feel like they're the most common ones. And if I was to go into other ones, they, they're not they're not used, so I don't think there's any point. The uh, the rebound though is something that we do need to to discuss. So it's worth pointing out that if you've used uh, a drug that has manipulated your balance. Um, what I want you to remember is, the human body is a master of balance, of homeostasis, and it will always want to go back to normal. Always, it, it likes to be balanced, and it's always gonna try and come back to there. So you're even using a drug that is pushing sodium out, pushing fluid out of the body. What the body will try and do is, it'll it'll notice you're doing that, right? The body's smart, it'll recognize that, and it's gonna try and do the opposite right? It, it's figured out that there's something that's in its body and it's like, right, there's something that's pissing, so, pissing sodium and fluid out. I'm going to increase, I'm going to do my absolute utmost to increase sodium reabsorption, to increase fluid reabsorption, and I'm going to do that at a super, like a super high higher higher compensatory effect. What's that? I was getting a bit tongue twisted myself, there, wasn't it? They're going to do that at a more elevated level than they usually would do. How does that sound? So how does it do this, right? Well, it's got some let's say, let's let's call them warning signs, warning you know things that that trigger off like hey like hey, a sensor. Let's call it a fucking sensor. There we go. So we've we've recognised one of the hormones such as aldosterone, right? So imagine that that sensed that oh fuck, sodium channels are being blocked. So. What we're going to do is, you know, once that, the usage of that drug drug has ceased, well fuck, I'm going to increase aldosterone to increase more sodium channels in the kidney to increase water reabsorption. But there's also uh, one called antidiuretic hormone, ADH for short. This is a hormone that's again involved in the regulating of the amount of water in your body and controlling the amount of water uh, the kidneys reabsorb as they filter out waste from your blood. An increased production of ADH is going to lead to more concentrated urine to reduce the loss of fluid from urination, making our body retain fluid. So, both these hormones or both these sensors are going to be, you know, they sense, right, boom, we, we sense that things are low, boom, we need to react. So, the body's reacted, it bumps everything up because it's, it said, right, the response to low serum, low fluid levels is, boom, we're going to increase aldosterone, increase ADH. Now... What that's going to lead to is a significant amount of water retention visually so detail will be very very blurred but also it'll be reflected in a large increase on the scales um, however these these hormones do they do come back down to balance like when you cease usage big increase in both those hormones a little bit watery fair bit watery fair increase on the scales give it to maybe three three days three or four days actually you should be right, right back down to baseline, but as a coach prescribing those, you need to know what you need to do in those three or four days to help that client get back to baseline. Because imagine that you're doing a show one week, and then the next, which often happens, I've had clients do it, um, and we'll have, we'll have loads of clients do it next year. Or well, two, three, four shows on the bums. You need to then consider: Can you get back down to baseline by the time you need to load in the next show? Then you may be becoming reliant on these. To load into the next show, the answer is yes. You can do it. I've done it this season, last season, um, and I've done it with clients that have had shows three weeks in a row, and the look has been fantastic. Each each one of those, it's just knowing what to do in those sort of three or four days. That again, uh, is so vital if you want the look to be to be good at the um, at the next show. But it will drop. I think the the trend I've seen is. Day one after using them, a little bit of an increase on the scales. Day two, large increase. Day three, big drop. Day four, right big drop, right back down to baseline. Um, But, you know, the dangers of of using these, um, I shouldn't need to to really say, but bar my last comment a few minutes ago, but like anything in in assisted bodybuilding, the use of these drugs comes with a price and particularly the, the abuse of these drugs. How you react to one of those uh, diuretics might be completely different to another one Um, and the same goes for the reaction between uh, you know use individuals just because Big David down the gym said he was fine when he popped a diazide doesn't mean you will be you know just because your mate used aldactone and he was fine doesn't mean that you'll be again it's all about the individual response if you understand the physiology and the needs of that individual as they're using them, then they can, that can help give you a very dry look on stage and one that you will not get without the use of them. Uh, however, if they are using correctly, combined, overdosed, it can result in death. And as I said, unfortunately, we've seen this in the industry in the past couple of years. Um, it's, it's so sad to see. So if you aren't sure about using them, just please, please don't. Um, it's not worth it, um, you know, it's quite mental that as bodybuilders, you know, someone will, like someone can say to you, oh, if you overdose these, or you know, usually you'll die, and, and we go, oh, okay, and we still go ahead. Like, it's, it seems to the outside world, it probably seems like crazy. But as I says, if, if you know what you're doing um, and, and you pick the right ones, I feel that these can be really, really useful on stage and have helped um, helped with the look for a few of my clients' shows and they've done incredibly well from that. But you need to know what to do uh, with your fluid, with your sodium as you're using these. And and that's the thing, if you don't, if you're unsure, please, please don't even bother. So to conclude the episode, to summarize it, you know, the the use of pharmaceutical diuretics and bodybuilding is becoming more and more prevalent the majority of pharmaceutical diuretics are acting by, as a whole, blocking sodium reabsorption in the kidneys and a specific exit of the kidneys. You know, we we talked about the motorway, the different blockades, some of them who would usually go and make an exit, build in a certain place, some of them are going to that place and blocking uh, blocking it doing that, such as aldactone. Um, But ultimately, you know what they're doing is they're they're promoting say fluid loss, sodium loss from the body that lead to a drier root, drier look on stage that reveal that muscle separation, that tightness to the skin, but they can have a fair bit of consequences on the body, um, drastic and dire consequences on the body using them if you use them incorrectly. Um, Post usage, remember there's going to be this large rebound. Scene, which can take a few days to dissipate, and you really need to know what you're doing. Uh, if you've got back to back shows, I think not even that. You need to know what you're doing if you've just had someone use it on, on what you do with them thereafter. Um, and as as we said over the over the course of the recent years, we've some seen some people pass away. So, listen, guys. I hope that helps. This was probably one of the ones that I've been meaning to do for a long time. Probably one of the ones from the website and the. Uh, the podcast that, that's been missing you know we've I've covered steroids, GH insulin things like telmosartan we've now covered sodium what that's doing in the body we've now covered diuretics electrolytes blah 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 if there is anything out there that you're wondering well actually everyone, I'd like to know more about this <clears throat> or hey you've talked about that but could you know more detail please do reach out you know, like that, uh, the, the amount of articles on the website, we, um, I always ask Ali and Clement, give me an idea, because, <coughs> excuse me, you, once you've written about so many things, it's you don't want to repeat yourself, right? So if there's any, anything that you want to hear about, please just do reach out to me on Instagram and say, hey, Vaughn, can you do an episode on this? You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm more than happy to, to take on board um, some ideas. Absolutely. And if you are thinking about competing next year, uh, the team, Already for 2023 is looking really, really strong Really, really strong And I can't wait already to to get to March 26th of March is the first show And just see some of them on stage It's going to be phenomenal uh, If you are thinking about competing But you haven't signed up yet Please do get in touch for next year um, I do specialise in those athletes That are in their sort of first to third year That's kind of my niche That's where I stay Because um, that's where I'm, I'm best And I know the support that you guys need So please do reach out For everybody else, wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.